you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Now here's this week's message. up compassion fam how's everybody doing this morning man it's so good to be here it is an honor to be with you today i am huge fans of your lead pastor pastor john and laura you have an incredible incredible lead pastor incredible staff i am so thankful and honored to be here pastor john asked me to come and share god's word and god's truth with you today are you guys good with that see i love it i love it it's exciting it's exciting to be here man i also want to say I am good friends with probably, I don't know, your whole staff, David and Misty. You, you got an incredible connections and kids director. Man, they are phenomenal. <laughs> Kenny and Abby, man, they're incredible. Your whole staff, you guys are a blessed congregation. And so I am so thankful and honored to be hanging out here in Wichita Falls. And so we're going to dig in and look into God's word. We're in the um, sermon series called Less is More. And we're looking at the book of Colossians. And I really believe today, as we look at these scriptures, and we, here's the thing. Well, I'll tell you what. Before, let me introduce myself. Let me tell you who I am. My bad. My name's Adam Touchstone. I've been a part of Compassion uh, Network for many years. I originated in Ashton, Virginia. Me and my family just recently moved at the end of January to Oklahoma City, where I now serve as a creative marketing director for Compassion Church Network and Hope Center Ministries. So... That's the role that I serve in, and so just super excited to be with you guys today. I have a beautiful wife, um, two kids, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. Josiah got to be with me today. He wanted to travel with dad, and so my eight-year-old hanging out with me. And so we're in this study on Colossians, and this is what I really love about this scripture, is that I really believe that there's some practical application, and it's so intentional when you look at these scriptures. That Honestly, it doesn't matter where you are in your walk with Christ. I believe that you can take this information, this scripture, and it can radically transform your life. And I'm hoping that for you today. I want to give you a little bit of history when we're looking at this book of Colossians. And I know it's week two, so you might have heard some of it last week. But you're getting me today, and it's going to be a fresh new look. Does that sound cool? So as we're looking into this little history, is that Paul wrote Colossians during his, his time in prison while he was in Rome. And he penned the letter to the Colossian church. He received a report that they were struggling with wrong teachings, false teachings. And the report came from the leader of the church at Colossae to convert, was actually a part of Paul's ministry and had been converted and, and followed Christ through Paul's ministry. And so the church at Colossae was under attack from false teachings who were basically questioning the deity of who Christ was, and their teaching was not actually of God or about God. But through Paul, he had been to the church itself, and he addressed these issues head on. And see, the nature of Jesus Christ as creator and redeemer was a non-negotiable for Paul. And so he wrote to them that he might bring his wisdom that in their difficult moments and trying situation, that it was, it was very critical to him that the church know about God and his greatness and his glory. And I think today that this, honestly, in the culture and the world we live in, I think this letter applies. We're in a culture and a world where there's a lot of false teachings and there's a lot of people trying to persuade us away from Christ or away from the church. And I think that there's such application and there's three things that I want to give you today that's going to give you some practical application that I believe every one of you that can apply to your life. So starting with the first thing that I think this is going to bring about some freedom for some of you today. And as we can see in this 
book of Colossians chapter 2 is the first thing I want you to hear is be an encourager. Be an encourager. We live in a world where it's okay to whine and complain or be discontent in our circumstance and our situation, and we get controlled, and it often dictates how we live. And being an encourager is an unknown, and it is often a concept that no longer exists in society today. Often it doesn't even exist inside the church, and we think that because we say, oh, honey, I'm praying for you, oh, bless her heart, oh, I can't believe it, that we believe that we're encouraging one another, but that's not how we're functioning. You see this in Colossians chapter 2, it says, I want you to know how much I've agonized for you as Paul writes to the church, and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is in Christ himself. In him lies hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and I'm telling you this, so that no one will deceive you from the well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you're living as you should, and that your faith is Christ, Christ is strong. He's given words of encouragement. Here's what I want you to understand about Paul. He's in a predicament. He's writing these words to the church at Colossae, and he's actually in a situation himself where he has every permission to whine and complain. He has every opportunity to get frustrated, even with God himself. He's in prison for preaching the gospel. But yet he chose to take on the spirit of encouragement and send to the church that, hey, I want you to know that when you bind together and when you stand united and you love, that there's going to be a difference that comes. And I hope you for the stand that you're taking in Christ Jesus, that your faith in him is strong in the midst of your circumstance. And here he is. He's locked up in prison. What would happen if we quit complaining? I don't like what I'm going through. My circumstances are beyond my control, and I'm so frustrated. My marriage is getting on my nerves. My children won't be quiet. And all we do is whine and complain. Then we walk into our jobs. Man, if my boss would do such and such. Man, if my coworker would actually work today. Some of y'all laughing because you know you said them words. And you want to complain to the job. Then you go home and it's not what you thought it was going to be because it's not the fairy tale that's painted in the movies and you're frustrated because there's dirty diapers to clean and there's mouthy children and yeah, they're mouthy, but you just got to keep loving them and you feel like your marriage is falling apart and you find yourself complaining and whining. And you are controlled and dictated by your discontentment. What would happen? Oh, I forgot about this one. Then you walk up into the church. Oh, I know. See, you know I know that you know that y'all walk up into church complaining. Y'all walk in, it's hot up in here. Mm-hmm. Then you're mad because service time changed or whatever it may be. And then you find yourself whining and complaining. Just so clear, John didn't ask me to say that. Okay, so don't, don't go fussing at him. That's, just, that's, that's free, free promo. What would happen if we as a church would shift our mindsets and encouragers? What would happen in our homes if we as men of God stood up and encouraged our home? What would happen in our marriages if spouses would begin to encourage one another versus tear each other down? What would happen in our culture and our society if, it, if we shifted from the mindset of complaining and whining to a place of, hey, I'm proud of you. You be what God created. You, be, you function in the truth. And I'm saying you build upon the truth and the gospel of God's word and you function and you, you, you live his word and his truth. What would happen... If that's what we functioned in, I'm a believer that I believe it would change generations upon generations and that we would begin to shift from generational curses to generational blessings and that we would see God move, not just in our world, not in our community, not just in our churches, but in our homes, in our lives. I believe that if we shift it, we would see something to take place. This is the truth I want you to understand. The first concept I'm giving you today is be an encourager. It's in spite of your circumstance, in spite of your circumstance, Fill in the blank, whatever it may be, in spite of, encourage one another. Encourage one another. Encourage.
The second thing I want to give you, I know everyone's going to say it, but it's a difficult one. It's stand in gratitude. Right? It's easy to be thankful in all things. That word all is real complicated when you go to fill in all the blanks of the all things that you have to face in life. But to be thankful. I think I twisted in my notes. There we go. Now, just if you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. This is what I love about the intentionality of the scripture. He's your Lord, He's your Savior. You must continue to follow him. Let your root grow down in let your life be built then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness 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 is essential and therefore we should guard ourselves with gratitude we are fair game for the enemy when we want to thanksgiving see if the song of thanksgiving that is not being sung in our hearts the enemy outside will destroy our heart so for the sake of our own safety strive to your heart with thanksgiving guard yourselves with gratitude. See, it's an easy concept when you just read it on paper or you read it in scripture, but when it comes to application, it gets a little difficult. It's easy to wear it on the t-shirt, to be thankful in all things, and it makes nice quotes and sayings on the wall decor in our homes, but when it comes out to function and what it looks like to be thankful and to live in that spirit of gratitude, it's a complicated thing to live out. Am I right or is it just me? Sometimes it's real hard to be thankful when it's not going the way you all should, am I right? I'm a planner. Anybody else in the room a planner? I told you when I started the sermon just a couple of weeks ago, about the end of January, my family relocated from Virginia to Oklahoma. And that transition was not everything that I had planned for and everything wasn't going the way that I wanted to. I'm a planner. I had to lay it all, lay it all out. And for those that are, anybody from the East Coast, I got, I got somebody from the East Coast. Y'all, Oklahoma is ugly. It's flat. It don't look good. Yeah, uh-huh. That in itself was not my, I had visited before, but I didn't realize it until I traveled here and you hang out in the state of Oklahoma. They don't have trees. They have bushes that they forgot to trim and they call them trees. I don't understand. It just don't make sense to me. But there's a lack of trees. And see where I'm from, there's mountains, there's trees. It's all green. Like, it's curvy. It's pretty. It's not flat. You drive in Oklahoma, you can see. Like, I can almost see Virginia from where I'm standing in Oklahoma. so flat. And y'all know I'm telling the truth. But so I was in a, we were, we were in a place where was not functioning in a spirit of gratitude. I was not thankful that Oklahoma was so ugly and things were not going as I had planned. And so, you know how God just uses people in your life? And I told you today that my eight-year-old son is with us and we're riding down the road and we're talking and we're complaining, we're whining, we're fussing because it's not going as planned. And my five-year-old Ezra, he's just, he's, he's in the conversation with me and his mom, we're whining and complaining. And just I speak up and he goes, hey, Ezra, remember where the Bible says that in all things to be thankful? Mm. Yeah. That feeling, all God's the same feeling I got. Right down the road, I was like, something got to change. And I realized that because I wasn't living out Thanksgiving, that I was pushing down generational curses, not generational blessings. And something in my life had to change. When my eight-year-old son has to speak up and say, remember, we're going to be thankful, something has to shift. And so there's two things I want to give you when it comes to living out a life of Thanksgiving gratitude. Is one, I want you to stand watch. See, God has a plan for our life, but so does the enemy. And I think we often forget that. And Scripture tells us that he's come to still kill and destroy. We know that to be true. So to stand watch means to look. We're going to look a little further in Colossians chapter 4. And I want you to notice the connection between watchfulness and gratitude. He says this continues steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Or what he's literally saying is be watchful in it by thanksgiving. You stand guard by being thankful. You guard your heart and your mind by standing in a gratitude spirit. It's not, no matter what comes at you, you're going to be thankful. And that's a hard place to live in. The idea of watchfulness is vigilance and alertness. And so you can recall in the Garden of Gethsemane how Jesus admonished the sleepy disciples. He says to them, watch and pray that you cannot enter into temptation. In other words, guard yourself from temptation. 
by watching and your prayer, be alert and vigilant. Stand, watch. You know how you stand, watch? You operate in a spirit of thanksgiving. You operate in gratitude. And from there, there's an overflow of abundance. See, the enemy can't have a playing field in your life when you're thankful. He can't get into your mind and convince you that you're not for the marriage to fall apart. And he can't dictate all those lots to you because you're standing in a spot where I will be thankful in all things, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And then what happens? This is what's awesome about the truth of God's word. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, when we're thankful, we're protected. When we function in gratitude, we're guarded. See, the heavenly hosts are, are fighting for us when we can stand in thanksgiving. The second thing I want to give you today in the concept of be thankful is this, is stand in gratitude. The role of gratitude applies not only by prayer and the spiritual battles that we face or that we fight, but also stand in gratitude in the way that we interact. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4, this scripture is a little intimidating and uncomfortable and makes me not want to read it. But it says this, there be no filthiness, nor silly talk, nor lips which are not fitting, but instead let there be things again. You know, you are what you eat. You know what I mean? What you put into your mind is what flows out of you. If you're putting in complaining and whining, what flows from you. So in other words, you have, when I tell you to watch and guard, you also have to mind for what you, what you allow out of your life and what other people are speaking around you. People around you are whining and complaining, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start whining and complaining. And watch and gratitude. It tells us this, how can we guard ourselves against a foul or frivolous mouth? How can we guard ourselves against a mouth that's foul with criticism and bitterness and blame and defensiveness, resentment, complaining, sarcasm, disrespect, and ridicule? How can we guard ourselves against a mouth that is just flippant and trivial, silly and petty? The answer to both questions is this, fill your mouth with thanksgiving. What you put in is what comes out and what flows from our lips. If it is thanksgiving and praise be unto God, and it will flow in our life. See, I found myself in a place just a couple of months ago, actually just a couple weeks ago, where I didn't realize what I was putting in and was coming out. And for lack of a better analogy, I was vomiting all over a lie because I was so frustrated that I was putting in anger and bitterness. I had got hurt by a situation, and that situation just kept fueling and kept fueling and kept fueling. And so it was a couple of weeks ago, I was on to a conference in Tennessee. I was actually there with Pastor John. And on the plane, I picked up, and I was I'm going to start reading it because this the book talking about just allowing bitterness to you and allow it to hurt and to live in that hurt. something and it's like, I'm mad at that. You know when you're mad at it, it means something's got to change, right? So I closed the book, put it back in my book bag, lean back on the airplane. I'm like, mm, I'll deal with it later. I de- actually, what had happened was I picked up my phone and I began to type a person that I was better at, asking for an opportunity to be free. So I typed it. I looked at it. Nah. Put it back in my pocket. Went on about my day. Be honest, y'all can judge me if you want to because you know you've been there too. So listen, I go to service that night, yet again, talked about bitterness and unforgiveness, and I'm like, dang it, I got to do something now. And I just, I waited to the next day. Next day, I was in sessions, and it's about being grateful and to remove bitterness out of your life. And those sessions, just yet again, being, I get you're trying to tell me something, but I don't want to. I don't want to let go of this because if I let go of it, it means I got to forgive. And if I forgive, then it means that I got to build a relationship, and I don't, I don't want to fix things. Sometimes I think we get comfortable in our, in our situation being broken that we can ourselves that if it was restored it can't be good because we're so comfortable with this, with it being so jacked up and messy that we choose to live there and so I found myself so what it ha- we, we finished the sessions and me and a friend of mine we had some free time that evening so we drove into Nashville and we went to uh, almost talked ourselves out of it but we ended up going to a church called Belonco one of the most life-giving services I had attended in a long time and John Revere was there and he's preaching about the beta state and living in a fence you know, if you haven't read the book, I encourage you. I hadn't even started reading it, but it's it's on my like book list to do. But just by his preaching that night, 
talking about living offense, I could have sat for about four to five hours and just wept before God asking for forgiveness. He made this one statement. Those that are unwilling to forgive have forgot what they've been forgiven for. And it rocked me. It shook everything inside of me that I realized that I've got to shift my mindset and I've got to live in gratefulness. Because I'm putting in bitterness and frustration and what's coming out of me is bitterness and frustration. And I'm not living in a spirit of gratitude. And it's not of God. And so I would... I would venture to say that maybe there's someone here today that you're also living in a spirit of bitterness. You're not functioning in thanksgiving and gratitude. And the incredible thing about God's word is that God's word is a tool to improve our life for his glory. It's a hard one at times. God, sometimes I want to be selfish and I don't want his glory to be shown through me. But if you actually stop and pause and realize the value of that, it, he wants his glory to be shown through me. Do you know the power and the authority that comes with that truth? The last thing that I want to give you today and number three in this Colossians chapter two is be alive. So I gave you be an encourager, be thankful. The last one I'm giving you today is be alive. Those are the three points for this sermon. And I don't mean just make sure you're breathing alive. I mean be alive in Christ. See, when you read these scriptures, it's so powerful and it's so, it's, it has such application to it. That when I, read, I was reading and studying this week and prepared for today's sermon. It's like, I can't believe how intentional this scripture is. Like, I've read it before, but I've never like, dug into the sermon. But I want you to hear this. For in Christ, lives lives all the fullness of in the human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. I, I want you to hear those words. He's the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. Cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God, who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive in Christ. Anybody got a but God story? My life was so jacked up, messed up, but then God stepped in and gave me a but God moment. And then, then, then God came in. He stepped in on my behalf, in my mess, in my jacked up situation, and he said that I could be alive in him. For he forgave all of our sins. I want you to hear this verse of scripture. He canceled the record of charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. See, I think when I'm reading this and I told you that statement, those that have, are not willing to forgive or forgot they've been forgiven for, Jesus himself took on every bit of wrongdoing and violence upon him, and he canceled it. He canceled it, he nailed it to the cross, and he, he gave me the ability to live in him and through him. But then I want you to hear this. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by victory over them on the cross. See, sometimes we get so controlled and dictated by our circumstances that we forget that he disarmed them. He said to us that they don't have power and authority of you, but yet we choose to give it power. That word disarmed means that it no longer can have a hold on us. It can't have access then why do we keep living there? Why do we keep living controlled and dictated by the things of this world, by the rules and the false teachings and the constant things we're trying to distract us? Why do we keep living that way? When Jesus himself, he canceled our dirty record. He canceled our mess and then he disarmed the tools of the enemy against us. This is what I want us to understand today is that we need to die to our sins. And that we've been raised with Christ. Therefore, we must live well in him and put on the qualities that are motivated by Christ. Because he's Lord over all. Our life 
to be a life that is submitted to Christ. Those two words, canceled and disarmed, means that every one of you this morning should realize the power of Christ in your life. He canceled your mess, and he disarmed the enemy against you. In my honest opinion, there should be a shout, there should be running, there should be excitement, there should be freedom, and the realization that we get to live in Christ that way. With our death canceled, and the enemy disarms against us. Those two words alone have the power and the authority to break revival free in the lives of our hearts that will allow it. But our life should be one that's submitted to Christ. And so my question to you today in closing is, are you following him? Are you, because if you are, you'll be an encourager. If you are, you'll be thankful. If you're following Christ with everything inside of you, you are alive. And so I want you to do me a favor. I want you to close your eyes, bow your head. And you say, Adam, I don't know this Jesus you're talking about, and, and I need salvation. Would you do me a favor, and would you just raise your hand right where you are? We're going to pray with you. I see the hand. I see the hand. You're in a spot where you realize that you're not following Jesus, and you say, today, I need to make that decision. Would you just slip your hand up at me? I see it. I see it. We're going to do this as a family. We're going to pray this prayer, and then I'm going to make one more call, and I'm going to pray over you, and I'm going to get out of here and go preach on holiday. Say this with me. Say, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I ask that you forgive me and that you come into my heart and that you save me from my sins so that I can live with you forever. In your name we pray. Amen. With all eyes closed, I want you to respond to this. Say, I remember today and I realize that there's things in my life. There's unforgiveness. There's bitterness. There's things I need to set free of. I need to function in Thanksgiving. I need to function in being an encourager. If you're in that spot today, would you just throw your hand up at me? Wow. Wow. Jesus, I pray the power and the authority of your spirit would fall on this place. And that, God, we, your people, would function in the truth and the knowledge of your word. That, God, that you have canceled our debt and you have set us free and we are alive in you. But through that freedom comes up letting go of the things that are holding us back. And I pray freedom right now from anxiety, from depression, from circumstances, from bitterness, from resentment, from anger, anything, the schemes of the enemy, God, your word says it. And I pray that today that we would function in that power and authority. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Can I get a shout across this room? Come on. We are so happy that you joined us today. Here at Compassion, we value family, which means we value you. If there's any way that we can be praying for you and believing you for something, please make sure that you let us know. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you here next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc.